In the late 90s, when you did a road trip in a car, it was common to see what was called an audio cassette adapter. This was a cassette tape that was inserted into the tape player in the car, but it had this little cord running out of it. You took the end of the cord and you plugged it into a CD player back then or a Discman so that you could listen to your favorite music even though your car only had a cassette deck player. Hi, it's John. You're listening to the Access Potential Podcast. A lot of the time, it worked okay, but it wasn't uncommon to see some issues. And there was one key problem with these players. If the discman that was playing didn't have what was called anti-shock technology back then, when you drove your car over a speed bump or a pothole, it would skip out on you, it would stop playing. Or a lot of the time, it would end up in something called looping. Of course, when the looping starts, it's off track. You have to stop the whole thing and try again, or else you wouldn't be able to hear the rest of the song going forward. Sometimes we can get into a kind of a loop ourselves. For me, for example, it's usually when I'm trying to create something new, something bigger. Maybe it's a new ebook or a podcast or something that I'm working on. So I'll be working away and then I'll check my email. From there, I'll move across into the Access Potential Slack group, maybe back, check the email again, think about something to comment on in the Access Potential Slack group, head back and do that if it's required. Head back to the email, maybe reply to something that came through the day before. And then I might go over and check to see how the podcast went that went out last week. Finally, maybe back to the email, respond to something that came through after one of the blog posts. And from here, it's almost as though I've discovered some sort of perpetual motion machine. It's almost kind of magical. And if I didn't call myself out, something like this could easily keep going all day. This kind of subconscious loop, subconscious behavioral loop. So in this podcast, I'm talking about a couple of things. Mostly, I'm talking about this concept of overwhelm, and in particular in today's culture, and in particular for business owners and practitioners, people who are running their own show, people who are trying to make a change through the work that they do. A lot of people want to create something new. But the shift into that new way of living or operating that almost needs to exist to create this new thing can be really hard. At times, we can be overcome or overwhelmed with emotion and difficulties. When we look into overwhelm, though, we see we can also touch on a couple of other points, one being distraction, and then, of course, fear. Firstly, I think we should have a look at the word overwhelm itself as it's a little bit interesting. The word overwhelm originally meant to overturn or upset. It was formed by combining over with the verb whelmen, which meant to overturn. Whelmen as a word survived in the English language as whelm. Whelm is largely synonymous with overwhelm. 
basically they mean the same thing. In the past 600 years, though, overwhelm has become the preferred word, despite it being longer. So since whelm and overwhelm effectively have the same meaning, we can see that even the word overwhelm is a little bit confusing. It's partly unnecessary and it's a little bit redundant. So let's go a little bit deeper. When we strip whelm or overwhelm down, we find we are usually referring to a state which is more than just a little bit overturned. We often find a state where we've been actually overcome completely by emotion. Reason itself has been left behind, and therefore our movements from this position tend to make very little sense. When we go back to the skipping CD player and we look at this loop, specifically a distraction loop if we're looking at a human or a downward spiral loop, we can see two things happen. This repetition of an act and no progress, and then this kind of incapacitation, an inability to hold reason or see what's going on. Similar to this state of overwhelm we talk about, with distraction, we also lose reason. So what's happening here? Why does distraction enter? And not just little distractions, but big multi-year distractions in our life's journey. When we set off on an adventure, a project, maybe it's to write a book, maybe it's a new job, maybe it's to climb Mount Everest, we have this monumental task in front of us. These big tasks, of course, have thousands or hundreds of thousands of little steps in front of them. The cresting of the peak or the publishing of the book is the last part that might be celebrated in the society, but there's an immense amount of work before this. And also don't forget about the fear. So if this project or journey fails, it could be scary if your reputation is on the line. If the project works, though, it's often even scarier because then people will see your work exposed everywhere and you might have to do some more. So we have this fear as a driver and main reason for us to now cue distractions. So distraction or action with a lack of intent allows us to avoid working on what is big and scary and pick up a little dopamine hit instead. It also takes us directly to a place where we lose sight of things like time, space, and reason. And if you've ever seen the videos of people walking along the street, looking at their phones and running into things like uh, poles and little ponds in the mall, you'll know exactly what I mean. Once distracted, we can instantly find ourselves in one of these loops or a distraction spiral. A lot of times people consider distractions like phones, or email checking, but we've also got this a concept of big project distraction as well. Like I want to start a new job, but I need to wait. I need to finish this other thing. I need to get this big project done, but hold on. This other thing needs to be done as well. So we can flip back and forth to the next shiny object. So we have distraction as an entry point or an entry into a place which is out of touch with our intention and really out of touch with reason or with reality. Distraction is a place of no reason. When we don't have reason, we are setting ourselves up for an imbalance emotionally. And when this happens, our perception gets pretty shaky. So we're on this big journey trying to work on a project. It is very easy from this position for the enormity of this huge task to be seen more clearly or in front of the small steps of actions that we need to take 
or that are involved in getting the task itself done. So of course when this happens, it's very quickly overwhelming. Here we have a loss of reason, which opens up the door to a flood of emotion. It could be anger, fear, anxiety, or stress, but either way, what we know is it's not helpful. So the question then is, how do we move through overwhelm? How do we move from a place that is dominated by emotional tension, reintroduce reason, and step into actions that we want to take? Well, maybe the first step is to understand that there's a door opening to the cycle all around us all of the time. In fact, with infinite opportunities to avoid doing the work in any particular area of life that we really want to do, we can effectively live a life of distraction, action without intent. When distraction gets in the way of our important work, we have this mechanism that Stephen Pressfield calls the resistance. We start with distraction, which is one smaller form of resistance, and then open up the door to move swiftly into things like overwhelm, which again, a form of resistance, although a little bit bigger. So in the case of a new project or journey, the steps could go something like this. Step one, set the task, the idea, the project. Kind of start it, tell a few people about it. Step two, introduce distraction. Of course, this comes in subconsciously. This is the first stage of resistance. It could be small distractions or it could be really big ones. Step three is through distraction, through loss of reason, we lose sight of the process. We lose sight of reason. We then opening up the door to a flood of emotions that can leave us paralyzed. So we look at the size of this task in front of us. Step four is we take measures to stop the project. Could be another holiday, it could be a break, it could be going to the mall or the shopping center, it could be going out to buy some ice cream, or maybe spending the day in bed with sleeping or having you know a lot of time in meditation. It could be any number of things that stops us. And step five is we start the climb again, but the difference is now we've got this past pattern of overwhelm being a thing in your personal history. So it has a little bit more energy in the memory or in the subconscious. So what do we do? Well, the first step is to realize that most of the time, this whole loop is a way of hiding from doing the big project, the whole thing. From the first little bit of distraction through the emotional turbulence, through the overwhelm, it's a self-made mechanism and it stops you from doing your work. Of course, we don't consciously choose the overwhelm, but the entire loop, including the difficulty of the overwhelm, is a pattern we make subconsciously and it stops us from being exposed by doing the big work or the big projects. So yes, the emotion in the overwhelm is real, but for most of us, the mechanism that creates this imbalance repeatedly in our work is driven by our own deeper narrative. And it's the perfect way for us to once again stop showing up and stop doing the harder work. What about if we had a way to increase intention and attention in our work? One way that we can do this is to think of something as a practice. What would it look like to create a practice in our work or the big project or goal that we want to see out? A practice means steps, one foot in front of the other. 
When Alex Honnold climbed El Capitan in Yosemite National Park without any ropes, you can check it out on the movie Free Solo. It's pretty cool. There was a process involved, an immense, almost insurmountable task that he broke down into a step-by-step process. It kept showing up each day. When we have a practice, we have something to return to. Without a practice, there is nothing to return to. When there's nothing to return to, distraction runs rampant. And relative to the enormity of the task as a whole, distraction is often preferable in the moment. And as we've seen, from distraction, we can further lose reason and quickly move into overwhelm. All right, cool. So let's create a practice with this big, scary thing that we want to do. Then even if we get distracted, we've got something foundational to come back to. So for me, one example of this, a small example, could be my daily blog that I write. I have a certain practice of how I set up to write these, and it helps to keep me on track if something ever slips or if I get unstuck. I've got something to return to. It's a process. So here's one way we can set up a practice. The first step is to look at this task that you want to do. But kind of look at it from a place of inquiry. So not too serious. Don't take things too seriously. Not looking at it too hard. Create the date, which is the buy when for the task, so when it's actually going to go out. But from that point, quickly move on because now we're going to break it down into a process. What we do here is called a three-act structure. And it's kind of like looking at this whole process as a movie. So you you know elevate up and you get to look down as though there's a bunch of characters in the movie. And we start with act three, the third act, which is obviously doing the thing itself. So it might be climbing the mountain. We move forward in time, or back in time rather, to the second act. And this is where you have your process that's rolling and unfolding. Okay, so in the second act, there's hard work to be done, training or you're creating. But you have a process and you have some confidence that if you keep going, you're going to probably end up where you want to go. From there, we move to act one and that starts now. And this is the emotionally difficult one because here you're trying to figure out what that process is. You're trying to figure out who the person needs to be to actually get this done. And this might require you moving through some different emotional states, moving through some fears, learning how to get this stuff done. So the next step is to then see that there's this vicious snake that can end the whole thing if it wants to. And that snake has two ends on it. It has distraction on one end, or lack of traction, or lack of intent, like the skipping CD, the email checking. And then on the other end of the snake is overwhelm. So maybe overwhelm is at the head of the snake and distraction is at the tail. And it's important to be able to see both ends of the snake as a connected entity, as a snake, one snake, and yet not run away from the snake. So rather watch the snake and observe this snake, observe this stuff. Notice the intensity of the emotions that you feel when it pops up. So the snake can only live and exist when we've lost reason or when we've lost intent or when we've lost our practice. 
So when we see the snake on our journey, we don't need to fix anything, but to feel it and observe it. And this is hard because it means giving yourself the permission to have these feelings and understand that we aren't trying to fix them. But at the same time, that this whole mechanism can be completely made up by us and and a mechanism or a way for us to hide. So the snake is imaginary and we can create it and we can eliminate it and it can be powerful as well if we don't respect it and see it. So when the snake pops up, when this feeling pops up, maybe it's overwhelm or, or you know, significant distraction, we want to find reason. We want to find our footing, find the ground, ground ourselves. And then the next step is perhaps to slow down the flow in our lives. If we're in the middle of a cyclone of inputs and data from all angles, social media, email, news, TV, the internet, if the inputs are coming in thick and fast, then firstly, it's easy to get distracted from the process. Secondly, it's easy to lose reason itself. And finally, it's going to be a lot easier to get overwhelmed because a lot of the inputs today are emotionally charged and fuel this feeling. They're emotionally charged because that spreads more easily on these media platforms. Okay, so what else? Next is to get a sounding board, have a sounding board around you. And this is really for us to kind of lean into this question of what is really going on here. And you can tell by that question what is actually going on here or what is really going on here. We're searching for reason. So we're looking to anchor ourselves or ground ourselves with fact. So you can ask someone else, what do you see? And this is where something like community is so powerful. We have this filter or a sounding board from the group that's very good at picking up biases and gaps. The community, though, needs to be honest and know that they're here to help with this role, to hold each other accountable. Because one of the biggest hiding mechanisms that can exist is an entire community that is built on the escape from the thing itself. So let's break this down. This means that if the crew you're surrounding yourself with, your workshops, your groups, the circles that you hang out, in are helping you to support your patterns of distraction or hiding, whether they're big or small, they are playing into your game and they're taking you backwards. So this is nothing against these people themselves. It's looking at our patterns of behavior as individuals and in a group and being aware of what this can mean. So a lot of times motivation from friends, well-wishing, a pat on the back, these types of things can kind of ease some of the tension but keep us in our loop of behavior what we really need here is someone to bring us reason to call us out on these patterns and to help us to see to help us ask more difficult questions of ourselves and understand where we truly want to go this means it's important to create a tribal community which will make a stand for you, make a stand for this work that you're trying to do or this project you're trying to do. Hold you accountable. See through distractions. See through concepts like overwhelm. It's important that your community is focused on understanding this kind of thing and helping you ultimately to do your work. This is not easy. So there we have it, the distraction and overwhelm trap. As real as it is made up, 
as tangible and able to stop us in our tracks as it is imaginary and self-imposed. When we come back to process and look deeper at how we might be playing a role in choosing to create these feelings such as overwhelm, these feelings that we say that we don't want, we often find some interesting things about our own behavior and some behavioral patterns that might be in play. Willingness to move beyond these types of mechanisms or ways of living or behavioral patterns can be really hard to come by. And also can include a relatively boring process when you compare it to the flashy lights and things we could pick up instead of simply following a process. So you know you're on the right track if the process that you have or the practice that you've created seems a little bit boring. If it's really exciting and constantly new and varied, chances are you still are being distracted. So practices and processes are pretty mundane quite often. And it's been proven time and time again, although this stuff is hard, that seeing this whole mechanism in play, seeing the snake, the distraction, the overwhelm for what it is and cultivating attention and taking active measures to deal with this stuff is probably the only way that you're actually going to face this resistance, this fear of doing whatever it is you want to do, and finally move out and do the work that you know that you're capable of and do the work that you know you really want to do. That's it for this episode and this week of the Access Potential Podcast. If you've got any questions on this week or any of the previous episodes, send them along to john at johntmarsh.com and I'll answer them in one of the future episodes. Thanks for listening. Check out the daily blog. If you haven't, forward this to a friend. If you know someone who gets caught up in plenty of distraction. And thanks for listening. I'll see you next week.